Everything that has a beginning has an end, Luke. You know, I've heard that. Where'd you hear that from? Uh, I think I heard that in the film The Matrix Revolutions. The Matrix Revolutions? I watched that recently. Uh, hey, me too. Huh. Huh. you have any thoughts about the Matrix Revolutions? You know, I have uh, approximately one and a half to two hours worth of thoughts about the Matrix Revolutions. Would you say that the Matrix has you at hello? I think the Matrix might have me at hello. <laughs> That's the name of the show we're doing. I'm Crystal. Yeah, I'm Luke. What? Well, that is sure a decision we've made. They decided to finish the movie that they released six months ago. Now, that is literally true, because they shot all this footage all together and then just, like, edited it into two movies... In some ways, that makes perfect sense, and you can tell. In some ways, this feels like a movie that is, like, trying to course correct from the second one. I would say the way this movie feels is they had about three hours worth of movie. Yeah. And they edited it into four and a half hours. Because if The Matrix Reloaded was maybe, as Jackson said, a compilation movie of itself, Mm -hmm. this one feels like it's really stretching for time. Yes and no. I Yeah, I mean, we talked about last time Matrix Reloaded is so weird because, like, it's not just that it moves way too fast or that it moves way too slow. It just doesn't know how to spend its running time efficiently. And this one, to me, feels like, okay, yeah, that was a movie. That was kind of like you had a beginning, a middle, and end there, kind of. And it felt like, I feel like this is... A better movie than two, but a worse Matrix thing than two, if that makes sense. This is the one that feels most to me like four episodes stitched together. Mm -hmm. It's like you have you have your Train Man episode. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you have your Bane episode, then you have your Zion episode, and then you have your Neo episode. But they they don't quite stitch together as well as they could. Like the Train Man stuff doesn't really matter at all after that's over that is absolutely true but also the train man stuff is probably my favorite part of the movie so <laughs> you love the power eight hallway i love the fuck i like the super mario brothers 2 hallway run by the angry greasy man the train man episode is also the one where it's like we're gonna do back to the future 3 and call back to all your favorite scenes from the first movie. He's driving under the same underpass, and now he's going into the Dragula Club, and now he's, uh, Trinity's doing the, the kick. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, it's also, like, the only part of the movie where, like, characters sit down and have a conversation that relates to the themes of the movie, which is kind of a thing that The Matrix 1 did a lot of. I guess there's also that short Oracle Neo scene, like, halfway through. Um, but, like, the scene of Neo just hanging out with the, like, family of exile programs is, like, yeah, I want way more of that out of this movie and way less Titanfall, like, multiplayer. Yeah, no, the, the part with, uh, with the family is is the good part of that episode of this movie yeah yeah um i'm trying to think about how, how do we even talk about this movie because it's it's just weird structurally i can't yeah. imagine when i when i rewatch the matrix series i often skip this one and just made up my own ending to the matrix reloaded uh-huh uh-huh and i feel like that's a way i often engage with movies where it's like I have an idea of how this should go, and if you decide to do something different, well, just you fucked up on that one. Sure. And I'm trying to push back against that impulse and be like, okay, 
I'm going to take what you've presented to me as it is and and tr- try to see what you're communicating to me. I'm, I'm going to give you a fair shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you feel about this movie when it came out? Hated it. Didn't didn't like anything about it. And in the couple times I rewatched it, I like it a little more each time. Mm-hmm. But it's no The Matrix. I really liked the train man stuff at the start. And I really liked the Smith fight stuff as a kid. And I hated everything everything in between those two scenes which are basically the beginning and end of the movie like the entire time all the like zion war stuff i was just like in my seat in the theater just like you know pulling my face down with my hand just like oh i don't care who's this asshole with the mech suit it's not important where's the cool matrix stuff yeah they kind of get away from the matrix in this movie most of it's just in the real world Right, yeah, which to me has always been the least interesting parts of the Matrix, and like, you need it there for contrast and context, but it's never as fun as the stuff that's in the Matrix. I, I was, it felt like there should have been a little more in the Matrix stuff with Smith. Yeah, yes. Because this whole conclusion hinges on Smith is taking over the Matrix and the machines don't really have a way to stop it. Yes. But then, like, in the Merovingian Train Man episode, they don't talk about that at all. Yeah, Smith is not on the Merovingian's mind, one bit. And it seems like it should be, given how he, like, sort of styles himself as, like, the secret holder of the real power in the Matrix. Yeah, he says it's his job to know everything. Yeah, and he, like, doesn't even mention Smith. It's odd. Yeah, no, like, my big, like, thing to fix up this movie, they talk a lot about how, like, well, Smith is, you know, Neo, he's your opposite, your equal, you know, he's the, he's what balances the equation between, you know, you two. You've got to, you know, fighting him is your destiny. I don't know barely anything about what Smith wants or, like, who he is, really. He got that one really good scene in the first movie with him and Morpheus that, like, characterized him, and then they've done zero character work with him at all since then. Yeah, in my memory, uh, Smith didn't have that much in Reloaded and had a lot more in this movie. Yeah. But he really doesn't. Like, the Oracle says, hey, this movie's gonna end with you fighting Smith, and then you don't really see him till he goes to fight Smith. You see Bane. Yeah. But Bane's weird, and Bane is a cool concept that they just didn't really know what to do with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it goes nowhere. And it's just, again, it's the one time in the movie that, you know, I guess other than kind of the ending, where Smith and Neo have a talk with each other, and they don't meaningfully, like, play off of one another at all, because it's all just Smith threatening Neo. There's no, there's nothing deeper going on in that scene, you know? It's more just, boy, it's fucked up that Smith did this, huh? Yeah, I mean, I guess he kind of explains his philosophy in The Matrix Reloaded, but you, you need more. What scene are you thinking of where he explains his philosophy? Right before the Burly Brawl, when he talks about purpose. That's true, I guess, yeah, yeah, you need so much more than that. Like, I was thinking of this, I want a scene of, like, Reloaded should have opened with Smith and the other agents, and, like, seeing how he is no longer able to, like, fake being one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And also, like, Smith's big scary power is that he can copy himself onto other people. The problem with that, and this is more a problem with Reloaded than this one, because the other agents aren't in this movie, but the agents are all already styled to look completely identical to one another. I think when I saw Reloaded in the theaters, I didn't really understand that he was taking over another agent. I didn't really get what the fuck was happening in that scene. Because they just don't... There needs to be a scene of the other agents, like, getting suspicious of him, and, like, maybe even, like, trying to imprison or kill him or something because he's gone rogue, and that's not okay for agents. And, like, he breaks out, and, like, that's how we start to see his, like, transformation. You know what I mean? Yeah, you only get the two seconds of that in Reloaded when he confronts Johnson for a second. Right, and all he does is quit about, like, the me, 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 me too. <laughs> Which is kind of funny for how doofy it is, but it is not, uh, it's, it's not the character work you need. You know what I wanted to see was him, like, invade Club Hell and start taking over all of the Merovingians guys. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the things I do like about this movie, the all the stuff with Sati and her family is good. I like that we get more of a glimpse of what the, like, non-renegade mainstream machine culture is like. Definitely. And, and the idea that, like, they are kind of, like, Sati's family is sort of renegade because they've made Sati, who is, like, a computer program that doesn't have any kind of purpose and like they have to smuggle her into the matrix where she'll be safe because like that's not allowed in the machine world or whatever you know what i mean but there's they're still going back to work to be a sewage guy and a video game designer yeah 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 that's true which is just that there's like the machines are not like one unified hive mind there there is like seeds of rebellion and dissent within them as well yeah yeah um but yeah the first 30 minutes of this movie is just a lot of a lot of talking in the real world on the logos ship that that's the part where i felt most like you you could have cut a lot of this dialogue down if you didn't feel the need to stretch to two hours. Yeah, I can see what you're saying about that. This is the shortest Matrix film. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because it just feels like, um, like the reason I was saying like this one feels a little bit better as a movie to me is because Reloaded, it's like you blink and you just miss like three crucial lines of exposition. You're right, this one maybe stretches things out a little bit, but you can follow what's happening and like there's basic plot arcs that just kind of make... You know, it's not especially impressive, but it makes basic sense for the most part, which is more than you can say for most of Reloaded. Yeah, I guess I guess that's fair enough. We're like Reloaded, you have to like watch it, watch it a second time, paying closer attention to the dialogue, and then talk about it with people afterwards to make sense of like, okay, what's actually going on in this movie? What did they say there was werewolves? I didn't see any werewolves. Oh, those guys were werewolves. Okay. You know, there's none of that in this one. Yeah, they make sure you get it. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that um, the captain of the Logos, whose name I will never, ever remember, he doesn't believe in this prophecy shit? He does not believe in this prophecy shit, that's true. It seems like maybe nobody does except Morpheus and all the people at the rave in the second movie. Hey, even though this is a movie that kind of stretches for time, you know what never happens in this movie? What's that? Uh, Morpheus reckoning with the, like, complete destruction of his worldview. Hey, you know what else never happens in this movie is Morpheus doing anything. Yeah, Morpheus doesn't do anything in this movie. <laughs> Why didn't they let Morpheus do anything? The most Morpheus has to do in this movie is be like, uh, uh I don't know what's happening when Niobe is piloting the ship and she's yelling at him. Yeah, it's like, uh... If you watch the first Matrix movie, you're like, why the fuck aren't they bringing him back for Matrix 4? Then you watch this one, you're like, oh, I guess because they ran out of ideas for what to do with that character. <laughs> they couldn't even get enough shit for him in the original trilogy. And it seems, like, m maybe you could say that the reason he's kind of, like, he seems a little depressed. Yeah. 
but then at the end he gains his faith again or whatever right but it it's just kind of happens like there's not an emotional like i don't know he should have some sort of real scene with niobe yeah absolutely and the other problem is that i guess another reason they wouldn't have these scenes is that there's the urgent machines invading zion problem that they have to deal with right now right but also the they can set the ticking clock on that as long as they need to writing wise exactly like it could be in 48 hours instead of 24 hours and they can have more time for dialogue or or they could just make the big fight shorter to make more room for the character scenes. The thing is I actually I actually do like the big fight. I don't hate it. I think it's a little too long and I think it's just not what I want out of a Matrix movie. I think it is fine on its own. It's just not what I'm looking for. It's it feels very out of place in a movie that is otherwise uh, like very slow and contemplative. Yeah. Where there's like this this like taking that episode of this movie on its own, it's like a good a good TV episode length sequence about people struggling to survive in a big hopeless battle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also just think too, like you know, we talked about the extremely long highway sequence in Reloaded, and that is very long. But at the very least, you're constantly getting um, shakeups about what it's about, right? Like it's it's initially a car chase, and now it's oh they're up on top of a semi truck, and now oh, oh more. Morpheus lost his katana. The ghosts are like in the fight and out of the fight. Agents are coming in and out. Like the the mode of the fight and like the stakes of the fight are shifting all the time. There is a lot of that uh, battle for Zion that is just the mech suits shooting at the ceiling. Yeah, when I saw that, I thought, oh, that's what the Avengers came from. That's why every movie now has like yeah. a thing from the sky where guys are pouring out of and you have to shoot it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although I will say it's better in this movie than it is in most modern blockbusters. Even though I'm kind of eh on it, it's still, like, better to see than the fucking, like, um, like, Ultron Ultra fight at the end of, uh, Avengers 2 or whatever. Yeah, I like the, the set design of, of this one. I like that they're, like, crawling through the grimy little pipes and, like, loading their shitty homemade rocket launchers. Yeah, yeah, that stuff is good, you're right. And I also like the, the way it is intercut with, like, Niobe doing the most badass piloting of all time, doing flips, revolutions, if you will. Yeah, the the sick flip she does with uh, the Logos is one of the better things to see in this movie. I was a little confused, however, about... They say they don't have any EMPs in the city? Well, it's because Bane... Uh, fucked up all the ships they had lined up. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that really crucial scene that happened off screen. Yeah. <laughs> because Reloaded doesn't know how to spend its running time. God, I see why you would split the story at the architect. Yeah. But these really should have been... You really should have edited this, these two movies differently. You needed to edit them very differently, yeah. And probably, like, edit both the footage and the script. <laughs> Maybe if you played uh, Enter the Matrix, you have a better idea of what the situation at Zion is. That's true. Maybe the finale of Enter the Matrix is Bane fucking everything over. Naomi gets introduced with like, hey, I just talked to the Oracle in the video game Enter the Matrix. Did you play that this summer? <laughs> yeah, it didn't get very good reviews, so I would understand if you decided not to play it, but you could have rented it from your local blockbuster or Hollywood video. There was a lesbian kiss in it. It was highly marketed. <laughs> There was a bullet time button, like Max Payne. Everyone <laughs> likes Max Payne. They stole that from us. They did steal that from you. Yeah. Um. 
Oh, yeah, also we learned that Seraph is an angel. Yeah, he's a wingless angel. Yeah, I guess I guess the implication would be he's from, like, the original Heaven Matrix. It's not clear why this matters. No, it doesn't matter at all. They're just desperately trying to justify Seraph's existence in the story. Yeah, the, they have a little, like, shootout that's, like, calling back to the lobby shootout for Matrix 1, but it's not as good. No. And the whole thing ends with just... The Merovingian gives this big evil speech, which is good because his actor is good. Yeah. About how he wants the eyes of the Oracle. And then Trinity just says, fuck this and points a gun at him. Yeah. And Neo gets out and none of that matters. Yeah. Yeah. I like when Neo is stuck on Mobile Avenue and he like confronts the train man and finds out that, well, actually, Mobile Avenue is like a program or whatever in which the train man is God and he can just beat the shit out of you and you can't do anything about it. I like that. That's good. Even the one can't beat him here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, it bugged me. I remember as a kid being like, why is the Merovingian talking about the fucking eyes of the Oracle? Like, we have not established at any point up until this scene that her literal eyeballs are the thing that gives her future vision. What are you talking about, man? Uh, it just seemed like a weird, like, well, we gotta have him want something, so, uh... It's not like the worst writing problem this movie has. It just bothers me. I would say... It's a, it's a writing problem. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on the list of issues. It's it's like a move that if a player did this in a tabletop role-playing game, I'd be like, hell yeah. Right. But then when I'm watching a written movie, I'm like, why is... You should have just cut this. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it could have just been, like, him being like, oh, it's too bad, you don't have anything I want, so uh, I have no reason to deal with you, and Trinity pulls a gun on him. That's all it should be. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, they have a, yeah, big fight, um, I guess they don't really, yeah, they don't do much fighting here. I like how horny his wife is for Trinity, <laughs> like... He's like, oh, you you wouldn't really die for this, right? And she's like, no, he, she totally would. You can tell she's so in love. She'll fucking kill everybody. It's incredible. Persephone is so horny for everybody except her husband. Yeah, she's also horny for Niobe. Yeah. She just wants to always be kissing people. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, Neo gets out of Mobile Avenue. Mobile, of course, an anagram for limbo. I Oh, okay, I guess. I, I was thinking mobile is in, like, mobile phone because he has Wi-Fi in his plugs now. Sure, sure. But yeah, that's why it's misspelled, because it's an anagram of limbo. But wait, if... If the train man is being chased through the Powerade hallway, that means did he put the Powerade posters there? Well, uh, are there Powerade posters in Mobile Avenue or on the train station where they, like, confront the train man? Oh, no, you're right. That That's in yeah, the yeah. Matrix proper. Right, right, right. The Matrix, we know you gotta drink your Powerade to keep your electrolytes up for the machines. It's just so funny how big the Powerade posters are. There's so many. <laughs> Uh, the Matrix sequels are truly movies for gamers. <laughs> but yeah, talking about Sati, Sati is a program with no purpose. Yes. Kind of like Neo or Smith? Whoa. Well, Neo has a purpose, but he's rejecting his purpose. Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's cute stuff where she's with the Oracle, like, making cookies together. We should probably also mention, like, the Oracle is a different person now because the actor died. Yeah, I, I understand that they want to, like, write the, the recasting into the script, but I don't really understand why they keep bringing up that she had to sacrifice her shell or whatever. Yeah, apparently in, like, EU shit, it is that she had to sacrifice her shell to get Sati into the Matrix. I just took it as she's fucking up the one prophecy and that's, like, causing, like, 
distortions in the Matrix, and that's like a reflection of it. Uh, I also feel like either they should have recast her with a similar actor and not mentioned it, or have it be part of the story, but use a completely different actor with a totally different vibe. I think this excuse would be fine if they just mention it once. Uh-huh. But they keep bringing it up like it's something really important. Yeah, yeah. When it's, I, I think it would be pretty obvious to anyone in the audience that is, like, aware of the Oracle actress's death that that's the reason why. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Because it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, a lot of things in this movie, they keep bringing up like it's going to be important because they spend a lot of time on it. Yeah. But it's not very important to the conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, Neo kind of has a scene with the Oracle where she explains, like, basically validates everything the architect told him that she exists to, like, you know, perpetuate the Matrix. And, well, it's not that she, you know, she would have told Neo earlier, but he wasn't ready. And who decided that? Well, he did deep down. He wasn't ready for it, Uh, which seems like bullshit. (laughs) This is uh, this is better than the Return of the Jedi version of the scene where Obi-Wan's like, I didn't lie, technically. Yeah, no, you're right. It is better than that. I kind of get the sense that the Oracle has tried to make this play with other ones before, but they just oh, didn't yeah. go for it. And now she's she really doesn't know what's going to happen at this point because she's never gotten this far before. Well, Neo is the sixth one, right? That's right. Okay, so and we know, or not necessarily the sixth one, but these, this is the sixth Matrix. This is Matrix 6.0. Because first Matrix was like heaven and it sucked. Second Matrix was hell, and it sucked even more. And then third Matrix is when the Oracle started. And you gotta assume she played the the one prophecy thing straight at least a couple times. No, I think I think there's six versions of the Matrix after the Heaven and Hell. Oh, really? Okay, I thought he- Heaven was 1.0. Uh, Heaven's the Alpha, and Hell's the Beta. Okay, okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, regardless, yeah, I, I could see that, that maybe she's tried this before and it, it hasn't gotten this far. And now, yeah, she's very much like, yeah, man, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. And the stuff with Smith, that's weird. You know, I guess, I guess, you know, a, an opposite and, in, in, you know, a, a Moriarty to your homes had to like rise out of the ether to challenge you because that's how stories work. And uh, we're not going to worry about actually having motivations for characters because that's just how stories work. So who cares? Well, I think it's because of the way Neo killed him, where he like imprinted onto his soul and blew him up from the inside. I agree that is what happened. But like, I just I want more like interiority from Smith. I want more of like what he's thinking, why he's making these choices, what his ultimate goal is. He wants everything. What does that mean, though? Uh, He wants to take over the Matrix and destroy Zion because he hates the smell of humans. And he also wants to eventually take over the machine world through the Matrix. Right. Why does he want that? Uh, Because he loves power. Sure. And he loves himself and he wants everything to be him. I agree that's basically the idea, but I think they... They just needed to spend more time elaborating on that to make me invested in it. And, like, to make me fear him as, like, a compelling villain, as opposed to, hey, he's kind of fun when he does, like, the goofy villain laugh after he absorbs the Oracle. Yeah, Hugo, we- Hugo Weaving's acting. He's doing his best. He's having a great time. <laughs> he's the only person in this movie that speaks with any joy to his voice. Yes. He's so happy to take over people. I feel like... 
I think part of the issue with the Matrix sequels is that there are a lot of different ideas and directions you could go with them, and they didn't really settle on which one they wanted to commit to the most, because one thing I think would be really interesting is to look at how all the humans are so stoic and reserved and, at times you might say, machine-like, and contrast that with the programs like Sati and her parents or the Oracle or, you know, others that have, like, a much wider range of emotions and in some ways are more human than the human characters. But that's not really, like, that doesn't go anywhere. It's just kind of, it's sort of there in the background, never directly commented on, and don't worry about it, I guess. Yeah, now I'm thinking about it. The only human in this movie that's really, like, emotional and enthusiastic is the kid. Kid and Mifune. Yeah, I guess Mifune, too. He fucking loves to yell. <laughs> You're right that that's there. I don't really know what to make of that. Yeah, I, I, again, I think it's maybe an idea they were toying with, or at least was, like, in the back of their minds as they were writing and directing these scenes, but they didn't put enough thought into it to, like, pull it out and, like, actually examine the idea. And then, like, I think a similar problem to that is that... I was thinking about this as watch, watching this last night. I think the second Renaissance kind of screws up the Matrix. Because it makes you way more sympathetic to the machines and turns it into something where, well, okay, humanity was, like, uh, absolutely the aggressors to begin with. In some ways, this is a problem of their own design, and that was a long time ago, and the machines have kind of turned into oppressors now instead. But, like, it's this complicated, messy thing where clearly what we need is, like, a ceasefire and a peace between both sides, which is kind of what this movie builds to. But that doesn't really square with the first Matrix movie, where the Matrix and the machine overlords are, like, a, like metaphor for, like, capitalism and patriarchy. That doesn't map anymore. Yeah, no, that interpretation is completely gone from the sequels. Yeah, it just doesn't meld, because they they sat down and did world building and decided to make the machine sympathetic, and now the core metaphor of the movie doesn't work. And I guess that kind of gets shunted onto Smith, who literally wants to transform everyone in the world into a straight white man, but they don't spend enough time with Smith to really sell it. I, um, the, the, the plan that the Oracle lays out, she says, I I'm willing to go as far as you to end the war. Yeah. And she's the only one that talks about Smith. Yes. So I think she, she is aware that, like, the machines are not going to be able to stop Smith which means they're going to be backed into a corner where they they might be willing to actually make a deal. Right. But it's weird to me that after the last movie where Neo was just strung along by machines until he finally learned the truth that all of this was an, just another form of control, he's still just kind of following the Oracle's orders. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, he does not really reflect any change or growth from his experiences in the last movie. And it would seem like the architect scene would do a lot to change you as a person. I don't really understand what Neo's motivations are. Because he, se he seemed like he was willing to damn Zion to get Trinity. Right. But now he's... He's like, yeah, let's go to the Machine City and die together. Right, all he wants to do is... Uh, people keep asking him what he wants, and all he says is peace. Like, he just wants to end the war peacefully. And, like, again, this is that problem where, like, the the version of the 
this movie that is building off of, like, the second Renaissance world building, it's supposed to be, like, the crucial scene kind of isn't the architect scene. It's the bit with him and the counselor in, like, the underbelly of Zion talking about, like, well, what does it mean to be, like, free over something or have control over something? Like, if we win the war and just dominate the machines again, we're just swinging the pendulum back the other way. And that's not really a resolution. And then that sort of couples with him talking with Sati's family and learning, like, how human and, like, you know, that, 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 like, the programs and the machines are capable of, like, love. And, like, that compounds into him, like, sort of resolving to, okay, we need to end this war peacefully for all sides instead of just destroying our enemy. But what about the architect stuff? That just kind of went away. <laughs> like, this movie does not really grapple with the fact that, like... Oh yeah, it turns out that the revolution uh, from the humans is just controlled opposition. I kinda, don't, don't worry about it. Yeah, if the architect scene never happened, what would be different about this movie? Yeah, nothing. And that fucking sucks because the architect scene is so cool. Like, we sort of touched on it last time where, like, Jackson brought up, like, both Smith and the architect bring up the idea that the original Matrix was paradise and humans rejected it because human beings simply can't handle paradise. Like, they fundamentally need pain and suffering to exist and to understand reality. And that it sucks that the movie makes no moves at any point to disprove that. Like, the thing that it wants to disprove the architect about and show that he was wrong is that Neo can save both Trinity and Zion at the same time. But then I guess he kind of doesn't prove that because he loses Trinity in the end anyway. Well... I think the, the answer, like, when Santi and the Oracle are making cookies, yeah, Santi kind of asks, like, why why do we have to ned this dough with our hands? Yeah. Like, we're programs, can we just make a cookie? Sure, yeah, And the yeah. Oracle says, well, cookies need love, like everything else. Like, part of life is, like, doing things and things that might be tedious or unpleasant, but, like, they ultimately add texture to life and make it more meaningful. Right. And I can see how that would be the fault of the Heaven Matrix. Sure. Is that the architect's like, yeah, I'll just identify the things that make humans happy and give them all of that, but that's only part of the whole picture. Right, like, if the Heaven Matrix is just everybody just, like, sitting around just having, like, their brain flushed with dopamine constantly or whatever, obviously that's not good. Um, but, like, the fact that the solution they come to is obviously we just need 1990s America. That is the best possible world that humans can accept. <laughs> and, like, that sucks. But this time, if people want to leave, they can leave, I guess. Well, so, oh, no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about, like, the status quo they reach at the beginning of the movie, or at the beginning of the, the first movie. That, like, okay, we tried Heaven Matrix. That's no good because people just like, you know, it, it, it. people need suffering and pain to understand their, re like, put their experience into context or whatever. So how much pain and suffering do they need? Well, exactly as much as existed in 1990s America. All of those, every one of those, like, injustices is necessary for the Matrix to function. We can't make things any better for them in there or it breaks. Yeah, I guess their idea was, like, let's, instead of creating our own fantasy conditions, let's just recreate actual conditions that existed right before we were made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Bane's in this movie. Bane is in this movie. His actor's, his actor's doing a good Hugo Weaving impression. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like... I watched this uh, with, with my girlfriend Chelsea, and she pointed out that, uh, like, no one is catching on to the fact that he's talking like Agent Smith, because other than, like, Neo, nobody's ever talked to Agent Smith and survived, so no one knows that he's doing a Hugo Weaving impression. <laughs> 
Oh, that's good. <laughs> and that's why they don't catch him right away. Wait, is Morpheus in this room listening to him? Morpheus has listened to Agent Smith. You know what? That's true. That all <laughs> goes out the window then. I know. I think Morpheus is not in the room because the evil captain of the Logos is like, we should just beat it out of him and torture him because I'm evil. Right. And because this movie got released during like the beginning of the Iraq war when that's the thing we're all talking about. Right. Sometimes you just have to torture a man. There's simply no other way. They don't torture him, though, and they pay terribly for it. Hey, you know what devices they have? They have like uh, brain machines that can look into people's brains. Yeah, that's true. They they don't have some kind of like let's let's replay your memories. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can't fucking hit the share button on the Matrix chair. <laughs> Upload a, a clip of you going into the Matrix to Twitch. Bane has so much setup. Yeah, he was the stinger of the last movie. Uh huh. He was gonna be a whole big thing. Yep. They spend like twenty minutes of this movie being like something's fucked up with Bane. He did something bad. What's wrong with him? And you could kind of cut him out of the movie and it wouldn't matter. It, he reveals he's the one who set off the EMP and he kills the, the doctors watching over him. And when uh, Neo and Trinity sneak off on their, uh, get permission to take Niobe's ship and go to the Machine City, Bane stows away. Yep. And then even then, there's a long scene where Bane is talking to Neo. He's like, do you know who I am? Can you recognize my Hugo Weaving impression? And Neo takes like 10 minutes to fucking figure it out. No, it's, it's, it's impossible. No, what? Huh? What? It's a, no, that can't be. And they just have a, a brawl, which I like because we haven't had a real world just fist fight. Yeah, I like the contrast of the the way that fist fights look in the real world versus in the Matrix. And I, I like that Trinity and Neo do still know karate. Yes. But they're not very, like, physically fit. They're not anime protagonists in the real world. So they, they, like, know the techniques, but they're clearly, like, struggling to perform them as well as they would in the Matrix. Yeah, and, like, the fight is scrappier. Like, Neo has to, like, beat Bane to death with a lead pipe. And Bane ends up uh, scarring his eyes. Right, which is kind of the main plot function he has in this movie, I guess. I just feel like, I think the idea of a uh, Matrix program taking over a person's human brain is a cool concept. Like, in the world where we got the Matrix TV show, that's a cool episode. Um, But they don't use it to explore any of the weird, like, implications of that. It is purely a plot function to have, like, the surprise Smith fight in the real world. And that's the least interesting thing you could do with the premise. Yeah, and the, I guess the plot function of Neo losing his eyesight is now he can only see through his machine sight. Right, which is important because, um, why is it important? <laughs> so then he can go to the city and be like, it's amazing, it's made of light, maybe I shouldn't blow this up with an EMP. Yeah, I get. yeah, I guess. <laughs> I just, yeah, it doesn't, I guess it makes some cool visuals and that's more than nothing. Bane, all he does is, like, threaten and taunt Neo. Yeah. He says, I'm gonna kill you, because you suck, and I'm better than you. Yes. And I hate you so much, and I hate your smell. So I'm gonna kill you, and I'm gonna kill you because I hate you, and I hate you, and I'm gonna kill you. Yep, because that is all the depth Smith has. 
And this isn't even, this is like a lone Smith that's disconnected from the Smith network. Right. So it's not even the same guy as in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that much characterization was enough in the first Matrix movie because the idea that the agents had any personality at all is kind of surprising and intriguing. But they just, I, I'm, I'm turning to a broken record here, they just had to go somewhere with it at any point. You know a kid, you know a character that Wachowskis love? Who's that? Of the kid. They do really like the kid. Because, uh, you know, the kid's 16. You gotta be 18 to join the army. Right. And he hasn't gone through training. He's a little bit of a fuck up. So the, the, captain, the captain Mifune yells at him. Yeah. But at the end, in the end he ends up proving himself. He, he saves the day. He opens up the dock so that the Logos can come in and use the one EMP the humans have. <laughs> but then that, that's also a double-edged sword because the EMP also brings down all their defenses, which means... That stopped this wave of the machine attack, but there's going to be another one, and now they have no way to fight it. I continue to feel so bad for Commander Locke speaking to the council. (laughs) He's just like, guys, there's no fucking time. They're going to be here in 12 hours. Like, we, everyone who can fight needs to be fighting. Yeah. Because there's nowhere to retreat or evacuate to, and they're not going to take prisoners. Yeah. And the council's just like, well... I don't think it's that big a deal. Right. I have a stupid nitpicky question. How come Zion is built by the machines and it is explicitly designed so that they can wipe it out like once a century? How come they don't got an easier way to do that than drilling through the concrete dome? Maybe they like it. Yeah, I guess, you know, yeah, they're bored. They just, yeah. Yeah, they're bored, so they're boring. Yeah, we got pavement robots. They don't got much to do. We don't got to build sidewalks out in the machine city. When else are they going to get to make some nice concrete than when they fix the dome? All right, yeah, I'll buy that. (laughs) There's just so much of the fighting, and it's just, there's not enough variety to it to me. It's just so much of Captain Mifune screaming while he shoots from his Titanfall robot. Yeah, it's it's a lot of Star Wars prequel. It's so dense. There's so much going on on the screen. Yeah, like the um the big wave of machine squids like moving almost like, you know, one thing, like it's just like flowing water almost. That's cool looking to a point, but like once I've seen it a couple times, I don't need to keep seeing it. Yeah, the the only thing that makes it interesting is when they cross cut between like Niobe is rushing to get here and uh, Link's wife is is trying to take down the driller. Right, with her uh, butch lesbian friend that we meet just in time to, to kill off so that this war has stakes. <laughs> yes, I don't understand what the purpose of Kid is because he's he's Neo's fanboy. Kind of like Morpheus was in the first movie. Yeah. Neo's annoyed by him, but he really believes in Neo. I think they're just trying to expand the cast and create characters that you're invested in, in Zion, that will, like, add dramatic weight to this war. But it kind of falls on its face because neither the kid nor Mifune are interesting. And Link's wife is, like, 10% more interesting than them, and that's not saying much. Yeah, neither of us can remember her name. Uh, Z. Z is her name. Z is her name. Okay. I was less, it's not that I didn't know her name, it's that if I just said Z, no one would know who the fuck I was talking about. Exactly. (laughs) Chelsea has just walked into the room looking upset. What's up, Chelsea? Well, you didn't have to bring attention to me, but his name is Link, her name is Z. Yeah. I just- You're saying it's Zelda fanfic. Oh my god. Oh, you're right. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) 
heard this to her name before. Oh. Is Z just short for Zelda, do you think? Yeah, of course it is. They're they're Z-Link shippers. Oh my god. I can't believe they're gamers. Actually, that's another thing I was going to bring up. Uh, one thing that I feel like is missing from both sequels completely is uh, in the first movie, you have the whole thing of like the hacker, like it's a lot of hacker stuff for one thing. And then like the coders on Morpheus's ship are making their own little mini matrixes. Like they have the dojo that you can fight in or, you know, Mouse has made his like pervert dating simulator with the lady in the red dress. And, like, there is an element of, like, the Matrix is an oppressive structure that, you know, hurts people. But, you know, we can envision a world in which we could seize, like, the Matrix for ourselves and use it to our own ends to make our lives better and do all sorts of things with it. Like, you know, do impossible things that just, like, you know, yeah, expand, like, our lives way beyond this shitty little rundown spaceship we live on. And there's none of that in the next two movies. It all becomes the sense of like, no, 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 the Matrix is fake bullshit. The real world that sucks and we don't even have real food in it. That's what we need to treasure and like hold on to. I want to see more of the stuff of like them making their own programs to jack into and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess the only bit we get of that is the the Zion control. Yeah, which you can only really tell is a program because it doesn't look like the rest of Zion. There's no real reason that couldn't be a room in a control tower. Yeah, I guess, um... Like, the rave scene should involve a sequence where, like, a bunch of people start jacking into, like, a sex program so they can have wild furry sex or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess the problem is that a lot of people there don't have plugs. Yeah, I guess that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think any any unplugged people get plug surgery? I don't know if Zion has the means to do that. That seems like it would require a level of technology that they don't really have access to. If they made peace with the machines. If they make peace with the machines, then yeah, I'll bet people do get plug surgery. Yeah. Because, like, why wouldn't you? And, like, the, the machines are sending them, uh, like, propaganda tapes while giving them free plug surgery, hoping they can make some ciphers. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I bet this happens in Matrix Online. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we're writing Matrix Online storylines. <laughs> I know, like the the main like premise of the Matrix Online is every player is somebody that is just awoken, right? Like they've been freed from the Matrix because you can do that by choice now, but they're just like having fun with their cool Matrix powers in the Matrix. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I want to see them do more weird things with this premise. I have not watched the Animatrix yet. I'm starting to feel like maybe the Animatrix is the best thing about the Matrix because that is like everything we've been saying we want. That's like the compilation show with just a bunch of, hey, this element of the Matrix world is an interesting premise. Let's explore it for a little while. And then let's go look at a different thing once we've exhausted that idea. Yeah, the Animatrix might be the Matrix movie. Yeah, yeah. The Matrix Resurrections seems like it it might do some weird things. It might, yeah. I'm. We have talked about it a couple times. Uh, there are several good reasons from that trailer to be skeptical that will be a good movie. I think I'm going to end up liking it, even if it's a bad movie, though. I think it's just going to, like, aesthetically appeal to me. Uh, did you play The Matrix Awakens and Unreal Engine 5 Experience? I watched a YouTube video of it, which seemed like I got 90% of it that way. I like that. It was cute, you know. Neo looked real, even though he was fake. 
Yeah, although some of that is just video footage of Keanu Reeves that they kind of, like, transition into the 3D stuff. And I did... St- oh, okay, yeah, I can see where the, the switch happened. The part that blew me away was the Neo laying at his computer on the desk, which was all CG. That part did look really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also like that it was uh, it was meta. It was Keanu Reeves, but it was also Neo. Right, right. Maybe Resurrections will have a little bit of that. Maybe, maybe. Because, I mean, it seems like Resurrections is going to be a movie about the Matrix movies, you know? Yes. In the same way, I guess, that, like, the Matrix sequels are about, like the classic hero story, you know, like Hero's Journey Hollywood movies or whatever. Except it's kind of, like, again, it's about that sometimes, and then it's about other things when it gets bored of that idea. (laughs) Because they had too many ideas for these movies and didn't settle on, like, a good, like, small number of them to focus on. Yeah, they wanted to make, like, a Terminator movie, and they also wanted to make, like, a philosophy movie, and they also wanted to do more rave scenes... Yeah. Really, really come up with thin excuses to just get a bunch of people dressed up in leather for your one scene. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea. It doesn't, I don't think it's actually in the movie. On paper, I like the idea that programs all just get together and party when the one prophecy is being fulfilled. Just like, hey, everybody, it's reboot day. Get ready. Like, it's just like their New Year's Eve party. You know what I mean? Oh, did you interpret that as everyone there being programs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured that's just, that's how... I figure if it's the Merovingian's club, he hangs out with all his weird exile programs. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, then it's interesting that all the weird exile programs look a lot like how the red pills dress. Yeah, that is true. I mean, that's all, that's kind of true in Reloaded. They're like, the twins just look like palette-swapped red pills, you know what I mean? That's true, yeah. Like, if their white jackets were black, you would just think they're members of a different crew. They're Switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that's just, uh fashion style that the Wachowskis really liked in the 2000s. I'm, I'm trying to think of which which direction would have come first. Like, do they dress like red pills or do red pills dress like them? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the creepy exile programs have been around longer than the red pills have. Like, it seems like to me. Or at least this cycle of red pills, right? Yeah. They've seen a few cycles. People, they've seen a few, like, ones dressed in leather uh-huh. coming to them. And they're like, man, guy looks good. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's other stuff we've missed other than, like, the big final fight here. Well, we get, like, yeah, Trinity and Neo after Neo gets blinded. Uh, you know, going to the Machine City and, like, getting attacked, and they have to fly up through the clouds, and Trinity sees the sun for the first time. That was a nice moment. It was a nice little moment. You know, a nice, like, brief moment of peace before they come crashing down and Trinity gets killed. Seems like the clouds aren't really that much of a problem. I mean, that seems like they had to go pretty high to get above them. I just feel like the machines could probably send solar drones or whatever up there. Oh, you know, that is a good point. Yeah, actually, yeah. There should just be little solar panels with helicopter blades up here. In general, it it feels to me like the machines are not actually that dependent on the humans. No. But they want to maintain the system for, like, ideological reasons. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's another part where, like, the second Renaissance from the Animatrix kind of retcons things, because that's part of, like, part of the idea of it, right, is that the machines sort of hate the humans because they tried to murder all of them, but also the machines have, like, a weird sense of, like, pity and, like, sadness at the fact that they couldn't get along with the humans ever. And, like, the Matrix is kind of their way, like, we're not gonna wipe you out, we're going to, like, put you somewhere where you can be happy without hurting us. 
And if you're not happy, that's your own fucking fault. We're trying our best. Yeah, I really felt that when Neo confronts the deus ex machina and it goes like, we don't need you. We don't need anyone. Yeah, I did forget that the Machine King thing is named deus ex machina. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just the monolith with a giant baby head made out of sentinels. And it speaks like a baby. Yeah. Uh Another one of those things where like, well, that's a wild concept. I want to know more about the machine god, but he shows up like 15 minutes before the end of the movie, so I guess never mind. Yeah, I do like conceptualizing the Matrix as being like sending your shitty parents to a retirement home. Totally. That's 100% the vibe uh, that like Second Renaissance gives you and like we're, is kind of bleeding through into this one, definitely. It's like, I don't like you. I kind of don't want to talk to you anymore, but like I don't want to kill you. So, you know, just, just shut up and go in your pod. <laughs> With how close the ships can get to the city, because I guess they must do this all the time to pick up red fields, red red pills. Right, because I assume that, like, you know, they get flushed down the toilet after they get red-pilled, and, like, that must be right below the city. Like, one tactic I guess the humans maybe are planning for eventually is just to rush in with a bunch of EMPs and turn the city off, which would kill everyone in the Matrix, Right. But, like, I can see maybe someone making that decision if Zion went on long enough. Uh, Yeah, I can see that. I think it is definitely, I don't think it's a coincidence that, like, the fields where they grow human babies are, like, right in front of the city. Like, they're using that as a human shield, you know? But, yeah, I can definitely see what you're saying, that, like, at some point, maybe somebody decides it's worth it to, you know, kill the hostage. And also part of that is... Maybe one way the machines could beat Smith, maybe the only way, without Neo, is to just turn off the Matrix entirely. Yeah. But then they would also lose all these humans. Right, right. Clearly, I mean, this is just... (laughs) The real moral of the Matrix revolutions is you always need backups. You just... If they had a backup of the Matrix, they could transfer all the humans over there and do a wipe of the primary Matrix, and Smith is done with. Data redundancy. It's important. Important. You'd think robots would understand that better than anybody. I don't know. I think I think turning it off at all would still be bad for the crops. Probably. That's why they came up with the complex reboot system. Yeah, yeah. But the architect talked a big game about how, you know, yeah, you, you if you choose Trinity, maybe all our crops will die. But we're prepared to accept that. Right. And here we are at a moment where they might have to accept that and they really don't want to. Yeah, yeah. They Again, I, I'm definitely with you with the idea that really the Matrix is the machine's bizarre, twisted idea of being, like, merciful. And, like, they honestly don't want to kill off all the humans. It's also, like, again, ugh, talking about uh, the deus ex machina again, like, the architect presents himself as just, like, God in Reloaded. But he must be, like, pretty low on the chain of command, like, outside of the Matrix, right? He's just, like, a regional manager. But the actual guy apparently in charge of the whole Machine City is a weird fussy baby. I want to know more about that! Because, like, the architect at the end of this movie scoffs at the idea of being, like, emotional or irrational. But like you said, uh, the deus ex talks like a moody teenager. I'm I'm wondering if there's a distinction between programs and machines. Uh, yeah, like I I would assume no, but they don't go into it in depth. And I, I I hear what you're saying that like maybe yeah, Sati's family is is from the mainframe, but right. they're they're not 
They're programs. They're not like a physical robot you're speaking to. And the Sentinels don't speak. Could you not load Sati into a squid? Mm, I don't know. The squids don't seem intelligent. Yeah, you're right. They don't, really. How do you feel about the the design of the machine city? It's cool looking. It looks very, um, you kind of mentioned Terminator earlier, and I do feel like a lot of the, the robot machine city stuff has like a Terminator bad future aesthetic to it. Yeah, I like all, all the weird Geiger pipes. Yeah, all the weird pipes. You got like a lot of little robot spiders crawling around. Yeah. It's, it's it's neat looking. I don't totally know why they made it look like an evil castle made out of pipes, but you know, hey, machines can do whatever they want. And uh, it's it's cutting between like these dark piped hallways and just blinding orange Photoshop filter light that Neo is seeing. Yeah, I guess that's true. That kind of goes against what I was just saying. Like, yeah, from a human perspective, this place is out of a nightmare. It's scary. There's just red lights and lightning bolts everywhere. And like, it's all like these black twisted shapes. But presumably the machines see it more like how Neo is seeing it now, which is, yeah, just this like beautiful golden city. And when Neo's flying over the fields, he mentions that he can like feel the people in the pods. Yeah. But he doesn't say that in like... His his emotion while saying that is a little ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't feel totally like, ah, I pity all the people we have yet to free. It seems right. like he, he kind of... Like, he's, he's sort of seeing things from the machine's perspective. Mm-hmm. And he sees why they might keep them there and why they might not see it as being, like, a cruelty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I mostly just took it as he's sort of overwhelmed and that's why he's sort of, like, emotionally distant just because it's, like sensory overload for him yeah he bargains with the machine king uh and basically says hey you know who sucks smith if i go into the matrix and kill smith for you can you stop murdering everybody forever please and the machine king's just kind of like yeah okay sure you got it man remember an hour ago uh before we did all the big zion fight and the bane thing Mm -hmm. when the oracle said i'd have to fight smith yeah Remember how we, have, we haven't seen Smith for like an hour? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Remember how like Neo's entire plot in this movie is like come hell or high water, no matter the sacrifices, I have to go to the machine city to talk to the machines. And then we get to that scene finally and it takes like a minute and he's just like, hey man, let me let me help let me help you run an antivirus program on your computer. And the machine king's like, okay, yeah, sure, why not? There's just nothing here. Yeah, it seems like they just both know what they have to do. Yeah. The deus ex just doesn't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, he's being a fussy baby. Yeah. It just seems like, yeah, if you're going to put that much weight on him talking to the machines, have like an interesting dialogue scene with them where they argue and like, you know, come to an understanding with each other instead of just... Like you said, it's a foregone conclusion that the Deus Ex is going to do what Ma- uh, Neo wants. I almost called him Matrix. Matrix. <laughs> the squids all stop attacking Zion after Deus Ex plugs Neo into the Matrix. And everyone's kind of, like, confused. Like, oh, what's happening? What? what? And Morpheus, just really emblematic of how little they gave him to do in this movie, just goes, He fights for all of us. What? <sighs> You've given Lawrence Fishburne a lot of bad lines in these movies, and he has pulled them off with a plum, but he can only do so much. 
Everyone just, every character in this movie feels like they've read the script to this movie already. 100%. Some characters have read the script to this movie. Like, Kid seems like he knows exactly what the deal was with everybody splitting up on different ships when he's opening the door for the hammer. Right. In a way that he shouldn't. Uh Uh-huh. There's just a lot like that where it's like, can, can, can you please, like, speak through your motivations here? Yeah, yeah. And, like, again, just going back to the first Matrix movie, they do such a good job of having, like, engaging dialogue scenes that have, like, interesting visuals to pair with them, but they are about characters having conversations, and it just really efficiently and compellingly gives you complicated exposition and, like, explores the motivations of the characters. It's really, like, just well-written on a technical level, and that's just kind of gone. And I don't know if it's, like... I think these movies had, like, kind of a rough production to them. They were trying to make two movies at the same time and also make all the cutscenes for a video game and also, like, uh, give notes on a bunch of cartoons at the same time. Maybe it was just, like, too much to do all at once and they couldn't, like, get the quality there where it needed to be. I don't know. It's... This does not feel like dialogue written by the people that wrote the first Matrix movie. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's time for Neo to get jacked in. I like the way all the little robot bugs come together and form a chair and a jack. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Um, it is a little odd to me that we've spent so much time with like, oh, Neo can like even kind of go into like, you know, you can see the code in the real world and like he can stop the machines in the real world and he can even like almost make it into the Matrix in the real world without like jacking in. You would think that would like... He could just jack in without help. It's a cool visual, though. Yeah, there was a whole scene where Trinity was flying uh, Neo to the city before she got stabbed. Yeah. And he's just, like, holding out his hands and all the machines in front of the ship are blowing up. Right. Like, he is really unlocking his one powers. Like, he did that to a couple squids in the last movie and it, like, put him into a coma. And now he's just kind of casual. Not casually doing it, but he's... He's holding his own, just using psychic powers on the machines. Eventually on this podcast, we are going to uh, discuss the film Man of Steel by Zack Snyder. We sure are. But here we have a little bit of a preview. Uh Oh, with the Smith fight, you mean? <laughs> I was going to say, we, uh, <laughs> Jackson talked last time about uh, their take that, like, the shot of Morpheus, like, getting out of his car and slicing the SUV in half and then, like, pulling out an Uzi to finish off the twins is, uh, like, they have the joke tweet about, like, every shot in this sequence is the greatest shot in cinematic history until the one after it. For, like, 12, 13-year-old me, that was this fucking, like, intro to the Smith fight of, like, oh, the music is just, like, this... Latin chorus, the rain is coming down in buckets, and, like, it just lines of Agent Smith down the sidewalk and, like, in the windows, and, like, one of them steps out of the line to fight Neo. What could possibly be cooler than this moment? Yeah, Neo Damarong is a great song. I like, I like this fight. I like it, too. I like it more than I remembered liking it, because I definitely, I liked it a lot in theaters, and then, in my mind, this was cross-cut with the, um, Zion fight way more, and, like, my, if you had asked me what I thought about this movie before rewatching it, it was, yeah, like, that entire movie is just the Zion fight and the Smith fight, and they both go on way too fucking long, and it gets so boring. But this fight's not as long as I remembered it being. No, I I had the same thought that, like, wow, this ended faster than I expected. Yeah, uh, they punch each other so hard that, like, 
they create a shockwave that just like creates a bubble out of the rain falling, and that's neat looking. They're flying around, they're doing Dragon Ball Z, their silhouettes are fighting against the green light of the window. It is another thing, kind of what I said last time, I do wish there was a little more stuff of like, Neo has like completely mastered his one powers, Smith has completely dominated the Matrix... Their fighting should, like, reach a level that goes beyond just punching and kicking real good and flying around. Like, it should be... It should feel like, like, the fucking ending race of Speed Racer, where, like, reality is breaking down because he's racing so good. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Or, like, um, did you see, uh, the Dragon Ball, like, the new Broly movie that came out a couple years ago? I've not seen that. Uh, it's, it's okay. I saw it in theaters, which was fun to just have a whole theater full of Dragon Ball fans. But, like, that has a sequence where, because Broly and Gogeta are so powerful, they, like break out of reality and are like fighting in like the space beyond space for a while and like i want to see stuff like that here you know what i mean yeah the the environmental interaction is pretty simple they should be able to like punch through the code right again like there's never really a follow-up to the very cool shot in the first matrix movie where neo breathes and the world breathes with him especially since also the matrix is supposed to be degrading and breaking down separately from this Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I think the, the meanest thing I could say about this fight, like I said, I like it. It's it's cool, and, like, it's dumb in anime. In some ways, it does kind of feel like a worse version of the Smith-Neo fight in the subway from the first movie. Yeah, I would say the subway fight is is better. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's a lot more mano-a-mano, and this, this, is, this, is, uh, this is anime Goku-Frieza. Right, right. And they haven't totally worked out how to make them look cool while they're fighting in the air. They needed to study Dragon Ball Z a little more before trying to animate this stuff. Well, Zack Snyder would eventually master this technique. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because it does generally look less like they are flying and fighting and more like like they're in zero gravity and like floating away but trying to punch each other still. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, the fight ends, uh, like, Smith gets a very decisive blow on Neo. He, like, pile drives him from a mile above the city into, like, a huge crater. And, uh, the other Smiths kind of close in around the crater because it seems like it's over. You know, Neo's lost. And this is, I guess, the closest thing we're getting to what I've wanted out of this is, like, an actual conversation between Neo and Smith where they are, like, bouncing off of one another and, like, revealing interesting things about both characters, like, through their differences, because you get all this stuff of, like, Neo keeps getting up even though he gets the shit kicked out of him, and Smith is like, why do you continue, Mr. Anderson? And Neo's answer is because I choose to. Uh, at this point, the Wachowskis actually interrupt the movie <laughs> to, uh, to explain that Neo stands on the verge of Satori, ready to resolve the paradox of choice and choicelessness, free will versus fate, but that can only be achieved through an act of surrender, which occurs after an abandonment of the perspectival nature of truth, accepting the totality of present consciousness, which ultimately allows an evolutionary transition, transcending the Cartesian dilemma through emergence of delimited spirit, which then provides the world with a third path, the path of Neo, the path of peace. I'm, I'm so glad you've, you've, gotten the transcript of the cutscene from Path of Neo. I, there are times when I kind of vaguely understand what exactly is happening in the scene, uh -huh. but I'm not sure I've ever really understood it. So I actually think I finally grasped it watching it last night. Okay. Um, so uh, obviously this is the Smith that 
used to be the Oracle, right? And that's yes. why he keeps talking about, like, like I'm not even going to have the other Smiths join this fight, because I already know for a fact that I'm going to win it. Uh, and then, like, as he's got Neo, like, plowed into the dirt, he starts talking about, like, wait, no, I've seen this. Uh, you're over there, and I stand here, and I say, uh, uh, what do I say? Um, uh, everything that has a beginning has an end. And that's what the Oracle told Neo before. And then Smith starts freaking out. He's like, like, he gets scared, which I like. Um, but how the fight resolves after they utilize the power of the PlayStation 3 to punch Smith's face in slow motion is, uh, Smith moves to absorb Neo and Neo just lets him and Neo turns into a Smith and Smith, like, for a moment thinks, like, he's won and it's over, but then the Neo-Smith explodes and all the other Smiths explode before the Oracle-Smith explodes. Um, my take on what this is supposed to be is that it's mirroring what happens at the end of The Matrix 1, where Neo dives into Smith and explodes him from the inside. It's, like, basically the same effect, and it's, like... It's all the stuff the Oracle was talking about earlier about how, like, they have to balance the equation with one another, right? So now Smith has done, like, the opposite of what Neo did to him, and, like, because that has, like, balanced the equation or whatever, now they both die. Because they both have killed each other before, and now, like, mirroring that scene makes those deaths, like, final. Does that make sense? Yes, I I understand what you're getting at there. Yeah. But there's also the elements of, like, like the architect said, Neo has to go to the source and reinsert the prime program to reboot the Matrix. Right. And here he is plugged into the source. And also it looks like the Deus Ex sends, like, a pulse through Neo's spine or something. That's also true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like S Smith and Neo are connected. They're one. And they're connected to the source. And the Matrix is rebooting. And also they inject the anti-Smith juice. Right. So was the idea all along that the only way he could win this fight was getting Smith to, and then letting the Machine King, like, kill Smith through him? Yeah, because I, like, it could be the Smith that absorbed the Oracle, but I, I don't think they're actually distinguished in that way. I think everyone he absorbs is in all of him. I, I think that's true to an extent, but, like, we're gonna see the Oracle laying down in this crater. That's true, yeah. Because, like, also earlier on, after he absorbs Sati, like, that Smith comes in and, like, says, like, talks about cookies to the Oracle to let him, let her know that he got Sati. Yeah, um, they, they res he resolved the Cartesian dilemma. Yeah, I, um... I mostly followed that because you said it at a normal talking speed where the joke in the video game is that it's too fast for you to really follow. I'm not I'm not really sure I understand what the point is though. That kind of just sounded like bullshit. Um well, we, when Neo dies, there's also a, a cross of light that bursts out of his chest and he has angel wings. Yes, in case you haven't gotten at this point that Neo is a Jesus analog. Yeah, in Path of Neo, the Wachowskis also say, well, that Jesus stuff is a little lame for a video game. Uh-huh. Instead, they have a big smith that Neo fights and kills. It's not a little lame for a movie, though. <laughs> Apparently. I, I'm, I'm missing all the long, reloaded philosophy conversations. I need some of those here, please. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, as, like, stilted and awkward as those were, they were also the most interesting part of Reloaded. Like, they needed edited and, like, rewritten to flow better, but they were fundamentally good ideas for scenes, and we're just missing all of that in this one. And I do wonder, there's things about this movie that feel like, again, obviously they shot both these movies at the same time. I feel like they got a lot of notes from the studio about how to edit this movie uh, after Reloaded was not very well received. Like, a really obvious one is the fact that they mostly call the Merovingian the Frenchman now. That seems like they got told, yeah, everyone thought Merovingian was a dumb word and they didn't know what it meant. Stop using it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I wonder if they also got told, yeah, 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 okay, we let you get away with that architect bullshit, no more of that. No, no, no. You cannot do that in the next movie. I don't care if you shot it already, cut it out. No one likes it. I would love to read the draft where Neo talks to Deus Ex for real. Yeah, he should have a real conversation with Deus Ex, and he should have a real conversation with Agent Smith. Um, Neo's body just kind of gets carried away, and it's, it's like, still glowing. Yeah, it's not even necessarily clear that he's, like, dead dead. Um, because, again, he's Jesus, and I guess... If the first movie was the resurrection, this is him leaving, but he will return to found his kingdom on Earth one day, right? Yes. Uh, which I guess will be what the Matrix Resurrections is about. <laughs> I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Matrix reboots. We get the uh, Deja Vu cat. All the people that got smithed are back to normal now. Uh, and it's like just before dawn and the architect finally shows up in this movie. He should be in more of it. Uh, the color grading is also more natural. Like it's it's been getting greener and greener as it degrades. And now it just looks normal. Yes. And uh, the architect and the oracle kind of have a little chat. The architect is grumpy, but like, well, you fucking won. So whatever, I guess. Yeah, if people want to leave the Matrix, they're allowed to now. Now. And uh, then Sati shows up as the sun rises and it's like this absurd, beautiful sunrise with like an aurora borealis. And she explains that she made that for Neo. But, you know, he's not around right now to see it. But, you know, he'll, he'll be back someday so he can see your pretty sunrise. I will say the, the one thing, like... Again, there's things about that Resurrections trailer where I'm like, uh-oh. It won a lot of points for me when, like, the very first shot of it, the color grading obviously matches Sati's weird fucked up sunrise. Yeah, that is good. Like, that that earned a lot of goodwill from me off the bat. Because, again, I think these are kind of bad movies. I didn't... I liked them at the time, but I also then kind of grew to hate them. But I have a very big soft spot for them regardless. They don't make them like this anymore. Yeah, like, I have a lot of fun with Reloaded and Revolutions, even though they kind of suck. I will say, Revolutions, visually, a fine film. Visually a fine film! A lot, lot of good imagery of the Machine City and Zion. Yeah, other than the slow motion punch on Agent Smith. I actually thought that looked kind of good. <laughs> I actually thought, like, wow, this this could almost be in The Matrix Awakens, an Unreal Engine 5 experience. <laughs> Yeah, no, I thought that looked, uh, I, I was not very impressed by that. Um, I think, I forget if it was that shot or a different one where, uh, Chelsea was just like, why does this look so bad? And I was like, well, they're in the Matrix. It's a computer program. It's, it's gonna look like that. It's, it's fine. Punch Smith so hard his graphics got worse. <laughs> it's on purpose, actually. But yeah, that's the Matrix, baby. They did it. They told their story. They told their story. And now some nearly 20 years later, they're telling another one. I'm reading through this, this fucking Wachowski path of Neo quote. Uh-huh. Accepting the totality of present consciousness 
Because every because everyone is Smith. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Abandonment of the perspectival nature of truth. Because ev- everyone is Smith. Yeah, right. There's, there's no. There's only the one perspective. I, another way I think you could make the Smith stuff more interesting is if there was a more direct parallel between everyone is Smith and the Zion rave. Where like the Zion rave is very much a moment like. It's something the Wachowskis come back to a lot uh, of the idea that, like, hey, we're all just the human race. We're all here together. And, like, we're all just kind of, you know, the differences between us, they're just not as big as they seem like they are. Like, that's definitely what they're going for in Cloud Atlas. And it's, uh, like, part of what Sense8 is about. And I feel like you can see, like, the seeds of that concept here. Also, a lot of ways in which they manifest that concept end up being pretty fucking racist. (laughs) Uh, but, you know, that's very much like their idea, like, everybody just together and celebrating their humanity, as opposed to the Smith thing, where everybody's the same, but it's because, like, their differences are being suppressed, and they're being, like, forced to all be the same, as opposed to, like... They're celebra- like the Zion thing where like we're it's a celebration of who we are as individuals and as a community. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that parallel is not made explicit. A lot of things in this movie that one can read into that are not made explicit. A lot of uh s- like frayed stray thematic threads that you could pick up and weave into something pretty cool, but just kinda don't go anywhere. A lot of fuel for people to write essays about the, the philosophy of the Matrix. Yeah, and it's definitely, I get why there's a lot of, like, Matrix sequel defenders around now, right? Because if you can zero in on some of those ideas and kind of build a reading that, like, fleshes them out more, then you can turn these into good movies in your head. And, like, I'm definitely not trying to take away from anybody that, like, finds enjoyment out of these movies by looking through them through those lenses. And I think that's really interesting. It's just that you're doing a lot of work on the movie's behalf to make it interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, usually movies don't... Movies can speak for themselves, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, I will certainly take this over, say, an MCU film where there is no material to play with in that way. This is much better. But even better still would be if they just did a good job, like fully fleshing out the themes that the movie is interested in and expressing them in interesting ways. What grade would you give this movie, Luke? Oh, boy. That feels like a hard question to answer. <laughs> um, Again, there's a... I do think it functions better as a story than Reloaded. Even if you're right that it's very, like, episodic, but... In some ways, that's a little bit to its benefit because it just makes it easier to follow, easier to get invested in the stakes of things, even if, like, the character work kind of just isn't there and the the thematic work just isn't really there. What did I give Reloaded? I think you gave it a B. B, yeah. Yeah, I might just go B for this one also. I, I had a good... I can't deny that I have had a good time with these movies every time I've gone back to them, even if... They're, like, bad in under any conventional, like, meaning of that word. What I liked about this movie, visually a fine film. Yeah. Um, I like I like Smith. I like the Merovingian. Mm-hmm. But I can get those reloaded. Did you see they're bringing the Merovingian back for Resurrections? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Which just feels to me like, that is... 
I think even more than the architect, the Merovingian has become like the poster boy for what people hate about the sequels. So it's such just a fun fuck you to bring him back. I, I feel like the Merovingian is very close to becoming another Sheev Palpatine. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see him becoming a Sheev Palpatine. He even has like a dumb name like uh, Sheev because uh, Trinity calls him Merv in this movie. <laughs> she just call him Merv. We didn't talk about Trinity at all. Morpheus doesn't get anything to do in this movie. Trinity gets things to do, technically. She gets to die. She gets to die. She pilots the ship. She she fights people. I'll say I think this movie convinces me that they're in love with each other better than either of the other two movies. I still don't know if it's a great romance, but, you know, the, like her death scene is it's emotionally affecting to me. I wasn't crying at it or nothing, but, you know, I had an emotion. They're, they're just both very stoic characters. Yep. And it's it's, it's a little hard to find something to, to grab onto there. I agree. In conclusion, uh, it, this is no The Matrix Reloaded. Okay. I okay. would give it a... Uh, I'll give it a C. Okay, yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. I could honestly make a case for giving both Matrix sequels just about any grade on the scale. You would give them an A+. Plus? Uh, that The A would be the hardest case to make. <laughs> you give it an F-? minus. I think that you could make the argument. I mean, I gave them Bs. I'm just saying, I if you if pressed, I think I could say that these are F movies. I'm saying that this movie is exactly as good as The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, yeah. Like I can I can see the argument of like, okay, you clearly got a lot of cool stuff here, but this is a fucking mess. Take this paper home, rewrite it, and bring it back to me, and I'll tell you what, I will regrade it, even though it'll be late at that point, okay? And then they came and brought me Speed Racer, and uh, then um, they just instantly graduated from high school. They were only, like, sophomores, but you know what? That one was so good, they just got a full transcript right away. Speed Racer is a good movie. It's a good fucking movie! Questions. Mallory asks, what kind of program would you be in The Matrix? Oh... Trying to think. I mean, I think the two programs I like the most are the uh, the Keymaker and the Train Man. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could do either of those jobs though. I could be the Train Man. He's just he just hangs out on a train and shoots people with his gun when they make him mad. I can do that. I would be. I would be like. Uh, I want to be some kind of physical law. Oh sure, you want to be like the the physics engine. Yeah, I, I want to be like uh, uh, hydrogen. Right, right. I take care of the hydrogen. <laughs> Mike asks, why doesn't Morpheus have anything to do in this movie? That's a great fucking question. What if instead of all the shit with Captain Mifune, a character I don't care about, it was just Morpheus in the mech suit? He also knows how to pilot mechs. He, yeah, like, just do that. Give him something. And then, like, you could build the tension, like, he's gotta get the gate open for Niobe, and, like, you know, work their romantic tension into the fact that they're, like, on, like, trying to accomplish this impossible thing where they're both doing their own thing separately, but to, like, reach a common goal, and then, like, yeah, that would work. That'd be so much better. That would be better. Yeah. He could deliver the, let's give him hell before we do speech. Right, yeah, yeah, he's already done speeches like that. Yeah, no, okay. Cut Mifune out of this fucking movie and let Lawrence Fishburne have anything to do. Are we also cutting the kid? Do we need him? Uh, 
No. He, you know what? The kid might actually be a more fun character if he was playing off of Morpheus. Yeah, exactly, because Morpheus is also the Neo fanboy. Right, right. And it could... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, no, the kid can stay in because the kid would be better if he was hanging out with Morpheus. It could be... Okay, no, no, no. You do it as, because of the architect shit, Morpheus has lost his faith, and the kid still holds on to it, and he, like, reignites Morpheus's faith. There we and go. And now the kid has a function to serve in the movie. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, we need a time machine. <laughs> we can fix this. Uh, Neo and Morpheus have one line with each other in this movie. Yeah, and it's, like, nothing. <laughs> like, it's... Neo's like, I gotta go to the Machine City. And Morpheus says, did the Oracle tell you that? And Neo says, no, but I gotta go anyway. He says, uh, it's, it's been an honor to serve with you, Morpheus. Oh, that's true. There's also that bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that line. Captain Draco asks, how many revolutions did you see? Um, well, there's the drill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, oh, a lot there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But mainly, the the primary revolutions in this film is the sick, like, triple flip Niobe does with the Logos. That's easily one of the best revolutions. It's a very good revolution. <laughs> like... <laughs> In the world where we have the the Matrix Anthology TV show, I want the episode where Niobe is, like, street racing with the uh, ships. Then there's also the revolutions of the machine guns that Captain Mifune is firing. That's true, there's a lot of revolutions. And you know what, there's the revolutions of Keanu Reeves' legs as he does those sick roundhouse kicks in the Smith fight. (laughs) There's revolutions all throughout this film. (laughs) Um, Miria asks, why does it exist? What, the movie? Yes. Well, The Matrix uh, 1999 made a lot of money, is the main thing. Yeah, the shareholders of the Warner Brothers company would would like uh, more. Yeah, that's the core of it. Chris asks, do you also have to constantly try to remember if it's revolutions or revelations? I can see why that would trip you up. I don't know if I've ever had that problem, but I definitely get where it comes from. And that's it for all our questions. All right. Well, next time we're going to be talking about uh, a new movie. We're going to talk about a brand new film. Yeah, The Matrix Resurrections. We were going to talk about Venom 2 when it first came out, but then scheduling things is hard. And also Venom 2 wasn't uh, all that exciting, honestly. People didn't like Venom 2? Um, I think it's just been more muted. I saw Venom 2. I liked it. It was not as good as Venom 1. It was like, okay, I think it's a better movie than Venom 1, but I think... Venom 1 had more what-the-fuck moments. There was no Tom Hardy crawling into a lobster tank in Venom 2, you know what I mean? Aw, that's the stuff people want. Yeah, nothing on that level. It's like leaning into the tone of the stuff that's good about Venom 1, because there's a lot of boring parts in Venom 1 that are just whatever, and there's less of that in 2, but it doesn't feel like... I wasn't watching any scene in Venom 2 wondering how the fuck did they get away with making this scene in a movie. Um, we will watch The Matrix Resurrections and The Animatrix. And after that... After that, we'll finally watch Ang Lee's Hulk. We'll finally watch Ang Lee's Hulk. And after that, I think perhaps it's time to dip our toes back in with Black Widow. Oh boy, we gotta go back to the MCU, huh? I'm not saying we have to do multiple in a row. I see. But... (laughs) Four Marvel movies were released this year. They just released one today. Wait, oh yeah, I guess they did, huh? Fuck. (laughs) That's what, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, The Eternals, and Spider-Man. Yeah, Jesus. More coming. It's not, it's never slowing down. I hate the world we live in so much. How many new movies would you say you see a year? Um, ten? I see like two. And like, I want, I don't watch a ton of movies, but like... 
watch movies now and then, but like, yeah, I'm mostly going back and watching older stuff. I will get it. Like, movies are something that I have no sense of like FOMO about for the most part. Like, I will get to it when I get to it. And when it just keeps piling up the way like the fucking Marvel movies are, I don't like those movies already. And the fact that you're just loading my plate up with more and more makes me just less and less interested in actually digging into it. Yeah, at this point, even if you're a Marvel super fan, it does just seem like a challenge to keep up with all the TV shows and such. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's so ridiculous that they didn't, obviously they had to like delay shit for COVID last year. Probably should still be delaying stuff, but you know, that's a different conversation. But like, Instead of just sliding their schedule back a year, they're just, we're getting all the 2020 and 2021 movies this year. That's the dumbest fucking way they could have handled it. I, are you going to watch She-Hulk? I am probably good. I have not watched any of the Marvel TV shows. I'm probably going to watch She-Hulk just because I like She-Hulk. And I will probably, wouldn't surprise me if I got into like halfway into the second episode and said, nah, fuck this actually, and stopped watching it. That's probably what will happen. Yeah. I'm vamping because I can't find a good fucking Matrix joke. <laughs> there should be more. This shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. I mean, Matrix jokes were the lifeblood of society for several years. They made several Flash animation compilations about them. Yeah. The Matrix has you. Ergo. Ergo. Systematic anomaly. Concordantly. We should do an episode on There's Something About the Matrix. <laughs> the much like agent smith is the the dark shadow cast by the one you know the the equal opposite to neo the matrix has you is the equal opposite to the animatrix okay here here's here's the best i got if you divide 2020 by five you get 404 so this year is just an error message from the matrix that's the best you could find <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, l- l- let me let me give you my second choice. Okay. <laughs> um, do you know why you can't eat soup in the Matrix? No, why? <laughs> because there's no such thing as the Matrix, dumbass. It's just a movie. Oh, oh, I see. Because they're setting you up to think <laughs> the answer is there's no spoon. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, which one do you like more now that you've heard both of my choices? I, I think I like the second one more. Okay, well, there you go. But, I mean, I can see what you're saying. It's slim pickings. Yeah, the rest of, the rest of those are, 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 are dire. Yikes. <laughs> Until next time, everything that has a beginning has an end. Even this podcast. Yeah.